Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman joining you on a Friday morning. Welcome to your weekend. Hope you guys are ready. Going to be a great weekend up here in Starville. Like we have mentioned a few times, tomorrow is SEC, or not SEC, MSU Media Day. Uh, So a lot of great football coverage coming your way tomorrow. Uh, Today's podcast is going to be sort of our last gasp of summer, though. We're not... We're going to not just focus on – because we haven't – you know, we recorded uh, on uh, Wednesday night after we talked to Joe Moorhead, and we have not talked to anybody since then. We haven't seen any practices, so really no new information. So I wanted to do one last sort of big overarching topic kind of podcast, and then next week we'll, we'll dive back into football uh, and all of that. Uh, before we get into that, though, I want to thank you guys for listening. We appreciate that. We have, we have noticed the uptick in our listenership, and we hope that that is because – you have followed our simple philosophy of telling a friend or telling an enemy, whichever one it is, but we do appreciate you guys tuning in. We want to continue to try to be the biggest and best MSU podcast out there. And so if, if we can, if you got any suggestions for us, by all means, you keep them to yourself. <laughs> all right? Joel and I got this. We don't need your help. No, by all means, let us know if there's anything else you guys would like to hear from us. We're always willing to listen. Uh, and of course, want to thank our servicemen and women. Thank, take, doing the thankless job of uh, of protecting our freedom across the world. Our sponsor is Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. It is it's stinking hot outside. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's ice cream weather. Don't go outside with the ice cream though. They have outdoor seating there. Don't do it. It will melt quicker than you can eat it. Just go get your nice ice cream. It's, it's shaded. Maybe, maybe yeah, it's gonna be close. Second. It's gonna be close. I bet you could eat it quick enough that it wouldn't melt. Why is that a fat joke again? Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. I've seen you eat. 2019. We're still you, body shaming. You eat quickly. I do. It was. You know, it's weird. I didn't have brothers or sisters, so like I know like some people do that because they have brothers and sisters, and like if you didn't eat quick, you didn't get seconds. Yeah. Uh, but I never had that. I just I just eat quickly. Maybe I was a wolf in another life. I don't know. <laughs> you know, or a raccoon. I don't know. I could have been anything. Uh, feral hog. A f- Me and my 29 to 49 other friends out there trying to eat children in the three to five minutes they're playing in the yard. That, that By the way, just so you know, that they, they've uh, marked that as a day. So like next year on, I think it's August the 6th, that's, that's now known as Feral Hog Day. But I can't wait, personally. I'm going to eat pork chops on that day. I'll just go ahead and mark that down. All right. Uh, today's show, what we're going to talk about is the goats. We've gone from hogs to goats. I want to get. I want to. I don't. I don't want to do a Mount Rushmore because there's only four, right? I want to give everybody their due. So we're going to look at football, basketball, baseball, women's basketball, and coaching. And we're going to get the greatest of all time at each one, and, and then we'll put that up for debate for you guys uh, on on Twitter uh, for the weekend. So here's my first question. Then I want you to make a case for somebody other than Dak Prescott for football. Can you do it? Mm. Then remember, coaches are out of the equation. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to go back to before my time of you know really watching, right? You're gonna have to go back to like what Jackie Parker or Dee Dee Lewis or somebody like that. Or you don't? Do you have to go back to that? Is there anyone in modern by modern day? I mean, I'm 34 years old since I've been watching. Is there anybody? Because I just don't off the top of my head, I cannot think of 
anyone that you could even put on Dak's level without going back to times that I didn't see. Yeah. I mean, Jackie Parker would be, you know, if, if there's if they we're doing this in tiers and we say Dak stands alone, the next tier would have Jackie Parker, probably have Shorty McWilliams, uh, Johnny Cooks. Johnny might be, Cooks, Might yeah. be on that, on that list. Eric Moulds could be on that list of the second tier guys. Um, Billy Jackson. I mean, there's a lot of guys in that next tier. But for me, I, I'm sort of with you. I don't think there's an argument to be made for anyone except Dak Prescott as the greatest MSU football player of all time. I, I just, I, I can't. Like, if you say Bailey Howell for basketball, and we'll get to that in just a minute, I can make an argument for other guys. I really can. But what am I, what am I, because it's, it's, and I've said this so many times before, when you have a transcendent player, the player that becomes bigger than the program, I mean, it's just obvious. You know, at Ole Miss, you have the Mannings. At, at, at Alabama, it's a coach. It's, it's Bear Bryant, and now it's, it's sort of same, but it's still Bear Bryant over there. Uh, for, for Auburn, it's Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker at Georgia, so on, Spurrier, so on and so forth. Uh, they become bigger than your program. They become if you when you say Mississippi State in America nowadays, Dak Prescott's probably the first thing that people think of. Yeah, it, you know, we're, even we're talk, more than the cowbell. Probably we're talking about football, and I know football is. I mean, it's, by and large, if you if you're going to pick the greatest overall athlete in a school's history, it's probably going to be from the football team more often than not. I would say, um, particularly in the South. But I mean, Dak for what he did, it, it's not. And you mentioned the word transcendent. It's not just his statistics and what he meant for the program and and leading them to number one for the first time ever and all that, but it, it is what he did outside of the field stuff and, and being the face of MSU and just what he has done since leaving MSU to be the, the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I, I just – there's I don't think there's any way you could make a case – um, uh, unless you just wanted to, you know, force an issue somewhere, that, you you cannot put anyone in Mississippi State football history above Dak Prescott. No, I, I, I just don't I think won't. you can. I won't. So then let's let's switch gears and let's just get away from football because that's the shortest discussion. Let's go to let's go to men's basketball. I'm going to give you. I'm going to do three, three mm-hmm. guys: Bailey Howell, yep. Jeff Malone, yep. Daryl Wilson. Super D. Just just now going into the – by the way, somebody made a really good point. Don't you think the entire Final Four team should be in the Hall of Fame? They should just put them in as a team? That would be a you know, an from, outstanding idea. From Daryl Wilson to Mackie Edmondson. Take them all the way. Do you do that eventually with the women's teams too? I would. I would. The, those back-to-back teams that play in the national championship. Because basically you, – you, the, the 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 second team, the team that lost to Notre Dame, is 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 the same team. Yeah, it's just a couple of. I, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here, but if you're going to do that, why do you not put in like the 2013 baseball team that played for a national title? I don't have a problem with that either. Okay, I don't have a problem putting in the whole team. Okay, that's yeah. fine. And, and, just... and but and it's just one of those things where like you don't list you know you, 2013 baseball. You're not listing Wes Ray and Trey Porter and and Alex Detts and all. Those, it's the 2013 baseball team is in, and you can say you're in. But you know, those individual guys can it, say we're in. We're in, but it's it's like you know, it's more of a collective. Right, right, right. To me, that makes sense, right? Makes sense to me. All right, so I mean, it's your own Hall of Fame. You can do what you want. That's so. true. It's sort of like WWE. We just make the rules. Yeah, <laughs> we can show up if you want. Uh, but for me, those are those are those top three. Am I leaving somebody out? Would Lawrence Roberts go on there? Dampier. 
I mean, those are the top three, right? Th- those have to be the, the okay. The, th- those have to be the top three, I think. All right, then. Then who's the guy? You're maybe maybe pick? Dampier. Maybe you could put Dampier on there. Maybe. Ah. And, and then again, maybe I'm slanted a little bit because I was, you know, that final four run. I was 11 year old Joel watching that, and Dampier and Dante Jones. Those two really stood out to me as a kid. You know, watching. So maybe I'm a little bit slanted by my kid emotions in saying that. But I think your three are a fair three. But I think Bailey Howell is the clear winner. Okay. I mean, you have a guy that's, you know, an NBA Hall of Famer, you know? You have a guy that's a legend in the pro. You have a guy that has his name in the rafters at MSU as we speak right now today. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, we may I talked a while ago about Dak and is, you know, he's probably the most the, the the biggest athlete to ever play at MSU. Maybe the only reason that's the case is because Bailey Howell played in an era without Twitter and without everything. I mean, he was a superstar. And the other thing that hurts him is the Mississippi legislature's decision not to play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Because one of those teams would have won a national title. They would have won a national title. I don't really, have, I don't really feel not confident in saying that. I mean, they one year they were, they, I think they were twenty-one and one. They lost one game. They had the best player averaging like twenty-five points and fifteen rebounds a game. They would have won a national title. His his legacy would be totally different if that had happened. Yeah, yeah. I, I just uh, again, everyone. I, I think people's minds get slanted sometimes because of what they've seen, mine, mine included. You know, I just mentioned a minute ago, I, I might throw Dampier in this list of discussion just because I saw him play and I saw him lead State to a Final Four and that, that, that whole nine yards. Who you see, you kind of favor a little bit. You know, I didn't I didn't watch Bailey Howell play basketball. Right. But based upon what I know and what I know he accomplished at State and then later on in his professional career, I I don't know how you put anyone above him. In men's basketball, I don't think you can. I, I think it's, I, I think it's clearly Bailey Howell here, despite the fact that Super D and and Jeff Malone and, and other guys have had great careers at MSU. I, I just don't think anyone can can unseat Bailey Howell from being the top dog in this discussion. Yeah, probably correct. Uh, just because, it's just a different era of basketball where a guy his height was just this. A lot of teams didn't have guys to, you know, and and you can be that tall. And still be mobile and fluid in, in what you're doing. It's not like you're seven foot six. You know, you're not, you're not John Reek out there. Imagine if John Reek could move. That's you know, that's what you would be dealing with. With you know, he was probably being guarded by guys who were six foot five. I remember the first time John Reek took the court? I, I looked at him and like I thought, a baby he, giraffe. He doesn't even know how to play the game. I yeah. don't think <laughs> he's just tall. He's just tall. Um, I got no issue with Hal. Um, my set, my my number two guy probably Super D. Um, I think he might be the most beloved basketball bulldog. That's uh, fair. I, I, I would I would say that, but you know, from a historical perspective, I mean, MSU has one college basketball Hall of Famer, and it's it's Bailey Howell. So at least I can feel like I can make a I could make a, a push for Malone if I really wanted to. Great score, a guy who had the three point shot been a bigger part of the game back then. And it, I mean, I think the first two years he played in college, they may not have even been three point line. Don't know that for sure. Don't at me. Yeah, but you know they just didn't shoot a lot of threes. But he was a fantastic shooter, and if hey, if the three point shot had been a big, big thing, he'd probably have a lot more points than he does. He might be MSU's all time leading scorer at that point. So we'll go with how. Let's go to women's basketball. 
Again, I feel like this is a three-horse race. LaToya Thomas, Victoria Vivians, and Tierra McCowan. LaToya is hurt by the fact that the other two played on Played team. on national championship teams, yeah. You're, well, almost. Well, almost. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> played for a national championship. Um, yeah. Had LaToya played on teams like that, she may be the winner here. Maybe. Um, this is this is going to sound like I, I am against Victoria Vivians or, or I'm not a Victoria Vivians fan or something like that, but to me, I just I kind of feel like the answer is Tierra. Okay, you, you might disagree here, but I just feel like she was the most impactful player here. I mean, took over games, double-double after double-double after double-double, and block after block after block after block. And, I mean, teams had to specifically game plan around her and the production that that she had. And and this this sounds like a knock on Victoria. She was – absolutely, she deserves to be in this discussion. And for some – I have no problem with her being the one that you place at the tip top here. I, none at all. But sometimes, you know, the, the term volume shooter has been used before yeah, yeah, yeah. regarding Victoria Vivian. Some of her big numbers were because she just kept shooting and shooting and yeah. shooting. And, you know, that her kind senior of, year, that turned around. She became a more selective did. and more effective shooter. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I'm using just things that come to mind as for why I just – if you made me pick one of those three to put on top of the others, Tierra to me, personality, uh, just like memorable moments when I think back in the future uh, of these teams, I think, not that Victoria won't stand out, but I think Tierra. And, and look, it doesn't hurt the fact that she's one of the, maybe the tallest women basketball player at Mississippi State's ever had. Just physically, she stood out. Yeah. Um, but, but her performances stood out. Her personality stood out. To me, everything about her kind of stood out. And so I think between those three, I know that other people will have – this might this is, to me, is the toughest one we've done yet by far. But I think I would slightly favor Tierra here. You make it, That's a compelling argument. I'm going to go with Victoria, though, because for me, like you mentioned LaToya. Probably she might be the most talented person in this group. But Victoria Vivian's changed Mississippi State basketball. Her commitment to Mississippi State was the first step towards where MSU women's basketball is now. You know that was a player in your own state. You you had to get her. Vic Schaefer got her, and she delivered on all of her hype. Uh, probably over delivered, to be totally honest. Uh, and change she changed the program. The program was already trending upwards when McCowan came in. She and. and Together they took it to another level, but Vivian's was the leader of that group. That's she's she's the ringleader. So and then like you said, when you're well, sort of what we just talked about with Bailey Howell. I mean, Tierra McCowan's so physically dominant in her sport. Vivian's not a physically dominant player; she's just a guard. But she but she she just made shots. So I'm going to go with Vivian's for me. That's mine. That's I'll mine. let you do that. That's, right. that's okay. That's right. we can I have, guess we can have differing opinions. You're entitled to your own wrong opinion. Oh. Just kidding. Yeah. If Victoria Vivian's a thunder and lightning, I do love you, Victoria. You know, it's, you, Why do you hate Victoria Vivian? <laughs> no, it's going to become a thing now. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good to be on the other side of that. Uh, let's do the biggest debate, and that's going to be baseball. 
Gosh, this is going to be hard. Like, I've been sitting here, as you, as we've talked just about the others, it, right? I've been thinking of a head to baseball, and it's just tough. I'm going to give you, to me, there, there there's five. Okay? Clark and Palmero. Yep. Rooker. Mangum. And then I want you to make a case for me, for either one of these guys. Would you take Brantley or Ethan Small? I think Brantley had the better career. But Ethan Small had maybe the best season of any pitcher. I don't know. Brantley, it's just a different kind of game. I mean, it's just different nowadays. But yeah, who would you take? And it's not like Ethan Small had a bad uh, twenty eighteen. Yeah, had two, he had very a very solid, solid twenty eighteen, and then a just you know unbelievable twenty nineteen. Right. Um, I think right now today, Brantley is the answer. Between those two, yeah. If you ask me that in ten years, how you know Ethan's numbers kind of age a little bit, and he kind of becomes a little more of that legendary figure here, like Brantley already is. Maybe the answer is Ethan in the future. Mm-hmm. But I think as we sit here today, I would probably put Brantley. Okay, there. so then you got those five. Who are you picking out of that? All right, I'm going to do this. Who wants to be a millionaire style, I guess, and just start eliminating guys? I think Rooker's the first one out. I was going to say, Brent Rooker to me would be the first one I'd eliminate. And gosh, that's, even that's hard but because of what he did. And in particular, that Triple Crown year, gosh, he was amazing. But for whatever reason, of the other three, the other three have to stay and. Somebody got to go. Uh, I guess we're going to do this game, so it's so it's down to Mangum and Thunder and Lightning, the original. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing is with me, I don't know if this is fair to do it this way, but I can't think of Thunder without thinking of Lightning, and I can't think of Lightning without there. They said it themselves when they put those statues in front of the stadium. We, I think Clark said this. Like, we were a package deal kind of deal. Look, I, I almost can't say Clark because I have him and Palmero on equal footing and, and vice versa with Palmero and Clark. I, I feel like they have to be – they, they are j- j- joined at the hip, for lack of way of saying it. So it, I may be penalizing them a little bit. Uh-oh, there's Will calling right now. He's, he's going to argue me. He knows what I'm about to say. What's happening here? Thunder and Lightning offices. I really am tempted Brian to Brian Haydad speaking. It's our first live phone call on Thunder and Lightning. I'm half tempted to it's answer. It's Victoria Vivians. She, she heard you. She heard me. She already got you. Do I need to continue or do we need I, to wait to the phone? I'm going to wait for the phone to stop ringing. I want to see how long it goes. All right, guys. And I'm not editing this out. I'm gonna, okay. I'm, y'all get to suffer along with us here. Still going. In what day and age of, of the world do you let the phone ring five times? There we go. It is now over. All right, five, five is is the absolute cap. I will let a phone ring before I'm just like, okay, I'll call back later or something. Cell phones have it figured out, you know. After four minutes, yeah, just, yeah. Phew, just go straight. To I, I, how much are we willing to bet that they, they call back? Ah, uh, they're gonna call back. I bet for the, the in the next two minutes they'll call back. Yeah, we'll see. All right, I'm going Mangum. Okay, because it, I, I just the other two to me, or like I said, a package deal. So I might be penalizing them for something that's stupid because they're kind of joined at the hip and I can't pick one or the other. Mangum, to me, stands alone. Uh, he is the SEC's all-time hits leader. 
Um, he, he came and, and, and outside of everything, I mean, the things that he said over his four years too, talking about how much that M over S on his hat meant he was, yeah, he was committed to Alabama for a period, but he's a Mississippi boy. Um, he, he just everything about him and his career. I mean, played in a super regional every single year of his career, two Omaha trips. Um, I don't know, man. Just over a period of inconsistency with the coaching staff, he was the de facto coach almost <laughs> with with his the consistency that he brought. There's so many things that factor into it, and uh, truth serum here on a personal level, I knew Jake Mangum and still know Jake Mangum. Uh, he was messaging with me the other night, just kind of messing around a little bit, I, and I, I like him a lot. So anyway. I, I, my own personal bias may be showing through a little bit, but I think there's also a case to be made in other areas. I'm going with Jake Mangum. This is the toughest one. I mean, it is. And it, you, it, you cannot go wrong. Yeah. Even if you said Rooker, I mean, Rooker may have had the greatest season in MSU history. I think his his season might have been better than Palmero's Triple Crown, to be honest with you. Just because, I mean, in today's day and age of, of baseball, hitting home runs is not what it was in 1985. Um, Before Mangum came on the scene, I would have always said Will Clark. I would have always taken him over Palmero for whatever reason. Maybe it's per- again personal bias because I'm a Giants fan, uh, but I always, I always thought it was Will Clark. And now I think I've changed my mind. I think it is Jake Mangum. I, I just, again, sort of you know, I don't think he has the same uh, national flair that Clark and Palmero had. And he may, and he, may he may not have the major league career those guys had. But for MSU fans, I mean, they would. There are people who would take a bullet for Jake Mangum. They would stand in the stand in the firing line for that guy. Bull, again, the most probably the most beloved player in MSU history. Um, did it all. He's the SEC's all-time hits leader. You know, he said he won a ton of meaningful games. Two trips to Omaha. I mean, Clark and Palmer don't have two trips to Omaha. You know, they just don't. The only the only players in the, in the school's history that have two trips to Omaha. Would be the ninety-seven, ninety-eight guys. You know, great players: Pyatt, Freeman, Lee, Dubose. Well, Dubose wasn't. I'm sorry, Dubose wasn't on the ninety-eight team, but I don't think Pyatt was either. Now that I think about it, but yeah, for me, Jake Mangum is the greatest MSU baseball. He is the face of MSU baseball to me, right at this at this time. I think in in fifteen years or so, if I'm still kicking, I will be covering a a statue dedication for Jake Mangum. And we've already discussed it's what it's going to be is that that ridiculous catch, the catch. against uh, Stanford. Yeah, that's where that's what it should be, the Jake Mangum statue. And it should have a button on it that when you push it, mm-hmm. just have like a, they can just have like a speaker playing that on a loop, just nonstop. Right that means that you know if you well, I guess you'd have to go by my list for this to be the case. But three of the four mm-hmm. greatest athletes in Mississippi State history wore number fifteen. If That's you correct. On my list, which means that I think that it, that number fifteen should be universally retired throughout the entirety of campus. I, I'm going to make myself look it up because I don't know for the top. Jack Harris is number fifteen on the football team this year. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, what number was Bailey Howell in college? Fifty-two. Yeah. yeah, no good. If he'd been fifteen, I would have been like, "All right, I'm agreeing with you." I, I don't disagree. Timmy Bowers was fifteen. I wish he was like fifty-one, so he'd yeah. still be the five and the one. Yeah, we could just nobody could ever have a number that had a five or a one in it yeah. ever. All right, last but not least, we'll look at the coaches. 
If I did one for each sport, it, three of them are easy. Polk, Babe McCarthy, Vic Schaefer, yep. and then for football... It's Mullen. Is it Mullen over Alan McKean? Hmm. People thought I might say Jackie, but it's it's either Mullen or, or Alan McKean to me. Again, oh, well, you know, he didn't do it. Yeah. yeah. Different time. I could have won then. <laughs> yeah, took him number one. Never yeah. done that. Didn't have all these media problems. Uh, <laughs> don't talk injuries, Brian. Uh, it may be recency bias, but I just. Mullen, and I know it's a different era, but bowl games every year and number one for the first time. And he coached Dak. You you probably don't have Dak become what he is without Dan. And <sighs> make me make me the case for Alan McKean real quick. He has the only SEC championship in school, in school history. history. Yeah, I, mean, I can make it pretty easily. Um, he also has the only undefeated season uh, in school history, which is so weird that they went. I guess they technically were the co-champions. They had to have been, right? But, you know, played in... Uh, and I, and, and when, I, when I look at him, look at how MSU football came apart after he left. Yeah. I've, all, this is, I've always made this... Uh, I've made this joke a few times, but I'm pretty sure drinking at football games was invented the season after Alan McKean left. What's, what's more important... Or, or important's not the right word. What, what's more impressive... Winning the school's only SEC championship in football. Or going to number one in the middle of the season. Or going to one in the era of college football that we're in today. It's a good question. Um, yeah, this this is always makes me laugh. 1948 was Alan McKean's last season at State. He went 4-4-1. State's first non-winning season since uh, before he got there. Yeah. So from 39 to 40... Uh, Six, 47 winning seasons. You got his career record there? Uh, so he's like 65, 39, and whatever ties. Yeah. Like that. So anyway, so they were 4-4-1. Four, four, the next year, they were 0-8-1. They tied Clemson somehow. And they only scored 38 points the whole year. Kroom, Kroom just looked at them and was like, yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, they lost a two-lane 54-6. to six. I'm positive that team invented drinking. If nobody drank in a football game prior to this team, and somebody's like, "I have to have some bourbon to get through this." <laughs> they, the most points they scored that year was seven. They scored seven in a seven-seven tie with Clemson, and seven in a thirty-four-seven loss to LSU. It's not going to matter because whoever I say here, isn't winning this thing right. anyway. But pick. I, I lived Mullen, and so I lived. I sat there in 2014 and just saw. Grown men crying and things when, when that team went to number. Brian looks around like, oh, you're looking at me? Who would do that? I mean, I'm going to go Mullen, but it's by the slightest of margins right. over, over McKean. And, I can live with it. And if anybody I probably would to, take McKean, to be honest. But All right, but that said, they're out of this discussion. Yeah, they're not winning it anyway. You ready for my hot take? It's, the answer is Schaefer. I was going to say, I bet you go Schaefer. The Schaefer, Schaefer is the answer here. He's the greatest coach in MSU history. No other coach has played for two national titles. And no other and you know, Polk when he first took over, program was a little bit down, but they had won multiple SEC championships and multiple College World Series appearances. MSU women's basketball was nothing. Now you probably say the same for MSU men's basketball when Babe McCarthy took over. And and again, his legacy is it's tainted. It's not the right word because it's not his fault, but it's it's tarnished. Is not the right word. It's it's just 
it's lacking because they didn't get to play for national championships. Had they had those opportunities, I, I feel confident this would be he would be the SEC's or the uh, MSU's only national championship coach. I really have no doubt about that. But based on what I'm seeing and what I know, Vic Schaefer is the answer to me. He is the greatest coach in any sport in MSU history. If that's a hot take, then you and I have the same hot take. Well, there you go. Because I, th- I, th- I think Polk gets some cr- – I mean, he gets credit for the fact that he kind of helped orchestrate kind of a n- nationwide, like, college baseball That's game. the other thing in, in favor of Schaefer, though, in that – Polk won a ton of games at a time where nobody was trying to win in baseball. Yeah. Schaefer, everybody's trying to win in women's college basketball right now, especially in the SEC. You know, he has somehow dethroned Tennessee and sort of made himself equal. He, They're the best program in the SEC. At worst, they're tied with South Carolina. They're the best. So, and meanwhile, in baseball, yeah, MSU was the best for a long time, but then everybody caught up. Yeah. It, everybody it, was all, state had to catch up. To get to where they are now, women's basketball. Yeah, I, and I remember well working in the athletic department, working some of those women's basketball games, and being—I mean, couldn't have been a dozen people in the stands. It didn't seem like. I mean, it, it was just—I don't remember what the standings were back then, but state had to have been stellar dwellers. I mean, I just, oh yeah, I just, and to go from what it was to what it is today is one of the more remarkable probably stories in, in all of college athletics the last 10, 15 years, I think. But, I mean, it, it'll never get that that kind of adulation and things nationally because, you know, women's basketball doesn't get the attention that other stuff gets. But yeah. what, what what Vic Schaefer has done is nothing short of a miracle, yeah, how yeah. he's come in and, and, and done it. So, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I could understand the people that just pay more attention to baseball and things. I, and, and, and Polk, you know, he deserves praise. And – you could make a, a a case that that he's the guy, but I'm with you. I, what what Vic has done has already played for multiple mas- national titles. You know, ended the UConn streak, and quite frankly, the program is on stable ground. And it wouldn't surprise anybody if they're right back in the Sweet 16, Final Four situation this year either. I mean, how can you not how can you not give him a little bit of the edge here and, and, and declare him that? No, I, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to. As will I. Dak, Bailey Howell, Mangum. The only, the only thing we disagreed on was Vivian's and, and McCowan, right? Yeah. And then Schaefer. I like my I like my group. Yeah, I do too. That's, for you know, pick schools that have never won national titles in any sport, that's as good a group as anybody. Obviously, you know, if you go to Alabama, they got Bear Bryant and, and, and guys like that, guys who've won Heisman trophies and, and been the first pick in the NBA. There, there's schools like that, but. I mean, I like that group. That's a good group. So, All right. All back into football on Monday. We'll recap everything we learned, if, if anything, at Media Days. Media Day. Uh, and then we'll start preparing. You know, let's look, at a, let's look ahead. We will discuss uh, in the box score, we'll talk about uh, Arkansas. Our opponent preview will be Kansas State. Uh, our positional breakdown will be the safeties. And we will talk about the Ole Miss Rebels in our SEC preview. I think I just saw your eye twitch. Eh. Maybe. Maybe just a little. Big fan of Ole Miss players over here. Laramie Tunstall, now Robert Kandichi. I, I, I hope they sign Treadwell. I'm going to laugh really hard if they do. <laughs> so. Oh, Dolphins. Why? Why? And then, please welcome our new offensive analyst, Hugh Freeze. <laughs> you know, I am a big fan of Tunstall. That dude's good. 
Tunsil's one of the best players in the, in the NFL. <laughs> Absolutely. Treadwell and Kim Diche are yesterday's gonna, news. Ain't going to amount to Hill They're hot garbage. The Dolphins are about to go 2-14, and 14, but... Yeah, he's good, though. Yeah. So when they finally, you know, next year when they draft Tua, that's the thing, though, when they draft Tua, he's left-handed. they got to switch him. He's got to play right, right tackle if that happens. He's good. I think he's, uh, he'll be he's, fine. He's, he's fine wherever he goes, he'll be I fine, believe. So. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Back with you on Monday morning for Joel T. Coleman Woo! and his new love of Robert Kimdiche. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk. This is it. Talk Mississippi Media Production.